Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. Our podcast aims to connect you to what's going on at Ross Road Community Church, to connect you to the people at Ross Road, and ultimately, to connect you to God himself. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Ross Road Connect podcast. My name is Holly, and I'm here with my co-host, Craig Thiessen. How are you doing today, Craig? I am. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. You're present with us. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling a little under the weather, but I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm here. I'm ready to go. How are you, Holly? Yeah, I think I am also doing well. I think, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit better than fine. Um, but yeah, it was funny. I even write like immediately before this, I was like, Craig, what episode number is this? And it's 42. And he just said before that. So yeah. I don't know. My brain isn't uh, fully keeping up. Yeah. Episode number Jackie Robinson, if that helps you, number 42. Is that a sports like thing? <laughs> oh, Holly. <laughs> I couldn't. Jackie Robinson you. was the first black baseball player in Major League Baseball. Oh, that's was cool. number 42. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, so. that's nice. Yeah. I was so gonna, you learned I was something today. Guess, I did. I was going to guess like football or diving or something. I don't know. D- diving? <laughs> I don't know. I have been watching the Olympics, but not enough to uh, affix a number to somebody who is in diving. (laughs) It's because we were just talking about diving with our guest today. So my brain was on diving. (laughs) Yes. Now, but that's a good, good point. Have you been watching the Olympics? Have you been um, one of those people who stays up way too late watching something you didn't care about two weeks ago? Let's have you take a guess. Uh, (laughs) You've just been watching the office again. That's all you've been doing. No, actually, I haven't watched The Office for a couple weeks, which is pretty crazy. I mean, that being said, I fall asleep listening to it every night. So technically, I am like watching it. I listen to it as like a podcast because, uh, you know, I like, you know, not feeling uh, lonely when I go to sleep. So I listen to The Office, uh, but I haven't like sat down and watched it in a long time because I've seen it hundreds of times, honestly, probably over 100 for sure. Yeah. Uh, So uh, no to The Olympics. No to the Olympics. I did watch skateboarding with some friends, um, but it wasn't like I meant to sit down and watch it. Like I was kind of just at their house and they had it on. So I was watching it. Yeah. But I, I do find watching skateboarding very interesting. And if snowboarding was in this one, then I would be watching it as well. But well, I don't sk- in this one. Yeah. Skateboarding is a new Olympic sport this time around, yeah, I think. So awesome. I'm so stoked that skateboarding is actually in it. Because like, I think people think it's really easy, but skateboarding is tough. Like, yeah. oh, I, I can't do it. Like even I, when I was in ninth grade for most of my high school life, I was really into skateboarding specifically. And I would practice like my friend Kim and I, like every Friday night we would be outside on our skateboards, just trying to learn how to Ollie. Yeah. And it took forever. And it's like, I can barely even still do that now. Like it's so tough. And so then later I started longboarding and it's much easier, but like, yeah, doing tricks on the skateboard is like really hard. (laughs) I would be lucky to be able to stand on it while it rolls down a hill. Like (laughs) it, uh, I'd fall off. It's, but to be fair, that is also tough. I did have a lot of good falls on a skateboard as a young child as well. And then after I had one really big crash on a longboard, I just, I mainly do flat surfaces now. Um, because yeah, it was funny too. My friend Kim, her house was at like the bottom of 
it was like a hill and her house was like a complex at the bottom of this hill. Uh-huh. So our strategy would be to start from the top of the hill. Oh yeah. Just board like right down. And then we would just like jump off and kind of roll onto her front field. <laughs> <laughs> that was the way that we stopped. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Why is a longboard easier than a skateboard? A longboard is a lot easier than a skateboard because typically on a longboard, the wheels are a lot bigger. And it, it also just depends on what kind of bearings you get on it, but it, you can go a lot further while pushing less. Okay. So on a longboard and longboards are also just like, they have a bigger deck and everything too. So generally it's just, yeah, you can get a lot more distance with having to push a lot less. Gotcha. Yeah. Like the wheels on a skateboard are pretty small. Like I, so if I, I like to do a, like a board around the seawall in Vancouver and I did it, I've done it on a longboard like so many times. But the one time I tried to do it on a skateboard and I was in so much pain because you have to push like so, so often. So yeah. I would not ever recommend doing that on a skateboard to anybody. Okay. Well, I won't do it <laughs> yeah. then. Yeah, just that's who I was thinking specifically. Yeah. <laughs> Warren Craig against this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So last time, last episode, you were about to go on a lengthy vacation. You were you were gone forever. Um, first to the 19th in fact that's right yes yes um so how did that go for you yeah let me tell you july was amazing like it was so filled with seeing people um you know now that there's not really many or any restrictions i think i've seen friends almost like every day um yeah the so the first weekend of my time off i went to a wedding in edmonton and this was with my cousins and it was so much fun these are the people that kind of like got me through covid and it was really really fun uh and actually the most insane thing ever is this wedding that i went to so it was in i i don't know if you know like people who are listening maybe you know edmonton really well but it was in specifically sturgeon county is where they were going to have their wedding it was at uh, so kirsten she was the bride their family's house. So they had it all set up like beautiful tents with lights strung up. They had all their tables set up. They had all the chairs for the ceremony set up. Like everything was going to happen there. And literally 30 minutes before their wedding, like 120 kilometer hour gusts of wind rips through the thing and it completely destroyed their wedding. Oh no. Like no joke, 30 minutes before. Uh. And it, yeah, honestly, if that was me, I would have just had a complete breakdown. But thankfully, this <laughs> happened to Josh and Kirsten, who are like the most chill couple that you'll ever meet. Um, like, I think Josh kind of just had a moment and he looked at it and he like, almost like, you know, he had his moment of almost breaking down. And then almost immediately people found a new venue, like I think 20 minutes down the road and everybody just worked together to get everything to this new wedding. And it was the most like impressive thing I've ever seen. People just really like put their hands together and were automatically setting up chairs and tables and like chair covers. And it looked beautiful and Mm -hmm. it got like, it got set up so, so fast. And Kirsten like didn't even see it before she walked down the aisle. (laughs) So if that was me, I would have been having, like, I really like to be in control of things. So I couldn't imagine that, but it yeah it was so much fun it ended up being just the best we were there until like 1 40 in the morning and even then i was like i don't want to leave mm. <laughs> yeah it was so so much fun well you weren't just there you were officiating this wedding i was officiating and yeah. it actually worked out uh perfect it was really good i'm always obviously honored when people ask me to officiate their weddings but i also get stressed out about it 
Um, you might not know, but I actually do get very nervous when I talk in front of people, uh, for those of you listening. Um, when I speak to youth, I'm very, very confident, and especially our students, I've talked to them so much. But when I speak in front of strangers, I get super nervous. And even when I speak in front of like the church, I get nervous still. So I was very nervous leading up to it. But then it was kind of funny because everybody, like, I feel like the whole thing with the venue, like the ice was all broken. And so mm-hmm. even their wedding was supposed to be at four, but then it ended up being at like 515. And they were kind of like, oh, we have to eat dinner at six. So if we want to make this as short as possible. <laughs> so it, yeah, everybody just had a lot of laughs together. It was short and sweet and it was just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So That's that was cool. really, really wonderful. Did they, um, was this another outdoor location that they found? It actually ended up being, it was like a old kind of like school looking thing. Oh. <laughs> um, so they just ended up having everything inside. So they had yeah. the like wedding and then they cleared all the chairs and then brought in tables and then did it in the same space. Okay. So a totally different vision than yeah. they obviously had, but there was a nice like area outside for them to take pictures. And the sunset was like, amazing and uh, of course in edmonton it also stays bright out until like 11 p.m right so it was like yeah. 10 o'clock and they were like yeah we still haven't taken our wedding party pictures <laughs> so they ended up having actually really beautiful pictures which was great yeah. my uh my wedding reception venue burned down two weeks before my wedding oh yeah. oh my goodness so at least we had two weeks to figure it out <laughs> yikes what did you guys so. do uh i you know what i don't i don't think i remember doing anything about it i think actually jenny's mom uh did all the the dealing with it and they still catered it but we did it at garden park towers instead of one of a golf course in langley that we had we were going to do it at originally so wow yeah man so So the lesson is you don't even need to plan a wedding at the end of the day (laughs) yeah don't plan it just kind (laughs) of go with it up somewhere yeah you just go with it (laughs) Uh, so after the wedding carry on on your vacation yeah i went to west bank with some friends for the weekend which was amazing to the penticton channel just hung out super super fun um and then actually the day that we got back so my cousins who got married they came out to visit the next week because there wasn't you know a lot of communication about when they would visit so then we're like we're gone this weekend so then we had to hang out that Sunday night and that Monday. And we packed like every fun thing you can possibly do in the lower mainland into like one day. Uh, so it was, it was a very, very fun couple of weeks. And then after it was so funny, cause actually after my vacation, I was like, wow, I really need to rest a little bit. <laughs> so that week and that weekend I did like pretty much like I went to work, but in the evenings I did like nothing. And on the weekend I did a whole lot of nothing. And then I felt great and ready to go. So my extrovert, you know, self was very, very happy. And then, uh, yeah, got to come back to summer where we're doing just lots of really fun youth events. So yeah, life is good. Yeah. Yeah. How about uh, Greg's vacation? Yeah. So we spent most of two weeks, uh, at, uh, Jenny's family's cabin on Nicola Lake, uh, just about half hour out of Merritt. And, um, yeah, it was great. We, I don't know if it was because COVID was, was ending or, or ending. It's not ending yet. Uh, the restrictions were loosening. That's what I mean. Um, or if we just wanted to, or the kids are older maybe, but we I feel like we saw more people this time around. Like usually, cause I'm an introvert. It's like, I'm a pastor, which is kind of a, 
people job, like more than kind of a people job, you know, (laughs) just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. It's like when I go on vacation, I'm like, I'm disappearing from everybody and I'll see you when I come back kind of thing as a recharge. Um, this time I feel like we saw more people, which I think was, was good. So there was a variety of family and friends that we saw who either came to the cabin or we, we met some people in Kelowna, uh, Dave and Courtney and their family actually were in Kelowna at the same time we were on vacation. So we went up there and saw them. Um, and the kids were, uh, we could tell cause we have this cabin that we go to every year. We can kind of see the kids progressing in like their ability to do stuff. Um, so like swimming, for instance, down at our little beach, they, you know, Kenzie, for instance, she would take her little sinky toy and throw it 15 feet and dive after it and then throw it the other direction. She would do it for like 45 minutes in a row. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> then they would, uh, they would, uh, we have these, we have a couple of kid kayaks and they decided they were going to use, uh, both of them on one kayak, one of them sitting in like the seat with the paddle. And then one of them sitting on the back. They actually, they called it double lacking is what they ended up calling it. And they would uh, just kind of paddle around and tip each other over and like, laughing hysterically. And they thought that was so much fun. And um, so, and then someone, one of the neighbors in the, the row of cabins that were a part of had set up like a little disc golf course in the forest. Aww. And so that was kind of fun because we've gotten into that lately. So all four of us would go out and do that. And so, yeah, we had, a, we had a really good time. Um, it uh, was a little smoky in the interior, but, um, uh, you know, we have bigger, other people have bigger problems than uh, yeah. a little smoke in the air. Um, so yeah, we had a good time. Man, honestly, having like a family cabin is yeah. literally life goal. Like it that, is. Ugh, that's it is. so nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I married into it, so I was lucky yeah. from that perspective, but it's such a blessing because it's, it's two and a half hours away. So it's yeah. far enough that you feel like you're gone, but it's not so far that you have to spend forever getting there. Yeah. So totally. uh, even for like, there's been, well, usually once or twice a year, I'll go up there for mm-hmm. a night and most of two days by myself and do like a prayer retreat kind of thing up there. Um, Cause it's in like, nobody else is around. Um, there are some neighbors, but they're not like right next to us or anything. Right. Um, so it's a, a peaceful place to go. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a real blessing. Honestly, wow. that sounds, if I had to go somewhere just by myself, like that would be kind of a nightmare for me. Like only because like, if I, like, I just picture it, like you're by yourself in like a cabin in like the woods, like yeah. that just kind of sounds like a recipe for disaster, <laughs> but maybe that's cause I'm like a female. I don't know if that's different, but for me, I'm like, that sounds terrifying. Yeah. Jenny, Jenny said kind of the same thing before too. Yeah. Cause it is when you're up there by yourself, like it's total silence. Yeah. Like there's, there's no noise unless like it's windy or whatever. Right. And, and actually we were there uh, on the beach one day and our neighbor came over and said, um, Hey, when you guys were gone, uh, I took this picture and they took a picture of a bear with two cubs right outside the basement door of our cabin. No. (laughs) And our kayaks were kind of halfway up the hill. And he said, oh. one of the baby bears actually jumped in one of your kayaks. Oh. <laughs> he didn't get a picture of that. A little, uh, swim. Yeah. So, so, but we don't, we like, we don't see bears very often. So that was a little That's bit surprising good. that that bear was there, but we know they're around. So, yeah. Um, but oh. yeah, it is remote. Yeah. Uh, I, 
one day maybe uh Corey and i can go see yes. all boat yeah we'll, we'll bring you up there the, the only noise really is highway 5a runs on the other side of the highway so oh, or other yeah. side of the lake so it's not super busy but big trucks do semi trucks drive drive that route pretty regularly right. so every once in a while you hear a truck go by but oh. anyways wow so, so nice yeah well shall awesome. we get into it i know i was like how do we land the plane but I think we're just going to land with some, actually, so my friend Brock, um, he is our guest on the podcast today. He also, his wedding that he had was kind of in the middle of nowhere, kind of like this cabin. <laughs> Maybe that's something. And eh, we're landing with some turbulence. That was a reach but, there. That was a reach. Yeah. <laughs> but but it what? does come up in the interview. So It does come up in the interview. Yeah. yeah. So Brock is a pastor at Main Street Church, Main, Main Street Church in Chilliwack. He's the youth pastor for high school students. Uh, we met in Bible college and um, there was a lot of times this year when I would just have like youth ministry questions and just things that I want to kind of vent and talk about. And it's so great to have good friends that are also in like the same job that you do. So we had a lot of conversations um, just about like COVID and how we're doing. And it was so great. And honestly, even it was one of those groups that like, I would kind of look and see what him and my other friend, Zach, who's also a pastor in Chilliwack, um, I would kind of look and see what their ministries were doing to kind of be like, oh, okay. Like maybe if they're starting to kind of meet in person and kind of do those things, I really trust them and like the decisions that they make. So I'm going to maybe kind of copy some of the stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, honestly, that's the best way to do like youth ministry, just uh, copy from other people. It's great. <laughs> but, Sharing uh, ideas. Yeah, exactly. Stealing ideas. Yeah. So anyways, we're going to have a conversation with him just about how his ministry adapted during COVID and just kind of other questions about ministry and online church. And it's, yeah, we kind of go all over the place, but it's a great conversation. And uh, yeah. I think without further ado, we'll just uh, tune it over to turn it over to our conversation with Brock. Brock, welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, this is awesome. So for those that are listening and do not know, so Brock is one of my good friends from Bible College. Uh, Brock is a pastor, a youth pastor in Chilliwack at Main Street Church. So he's going to be hanging out with us today. Um, Brock, why don't we just get started with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey of faith? My journey of faith? Uh, I'm Brock. I'm 5'10". I like to tell people I'm 5'11", because <laughs> it gives me a bit of credibility. I'm 30 years old. Um, I have a beautiful family. I have a newborn son who's two months tomorrow. Nice. Wow. Um, my journey to faith, I'm a pastor's kid, so um, I obviously grew up not a Christian because I grew up way too close to church. <laughs> yeah. It, oh, you only, a pastor's kid either goes one or two ways. Yeah. It's one or two ways. And I chose the yeah. second, I choose the, <laughs> chose the latter. Um, and so then it was kind of that like rebellious stage in high school, just trying to like figure out life and really encountered the Holy spirit when I was a young adult. Um, and I, the Lord said, follow me. And I said, all right, let's do this. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Tell us about uh, your newborn son and tell us about the lessons you're learning about fatherhood. Oh, lessons. Well, it's only been two months. His name's Benaiah James. He is 
um, like the greatest. I was just telling Holly before the podcast, the greatest kid. He sleeps through the night already. Oh man. He doesn't cry. He just makes the cutest pout face when something's bothering him. (laughs) So it's, it's terrifying to think about having another one because any kind of, you know, we'll just be like, this one cries. It might be broken. (laughs) It's only downhill from here, right? Yeah, It's only going to get worse. So, um, but it is, it is a beautiful thing to see, uh, like your son, like when he smiles, it's like just the greatest feeling in the world. And then when he's sleeping and you get to sleep, it's also the greatest thing in the world. So yeah. yeah. Wow. Honestly, it's like, it's so crazy to just see you guys like on social media, just with a child. Like, it's just such a weird thing to me. Like when my friends start having their own kids, like, I don't know, we've known each other for like eight ish years now. I probably that long. And so it's crazy to just like, see your friends, like, I don't know, children. And like, even when you started working, like as a youth pastor back in Chilliwack, like it, it's just, so cool i know it's wild life is is crazy if you want your child to cry uh just have holly come over yeah yeah yeah. all right (laughs) we'll just have her baby there's a story there yeah oh my goodness like i have a picture with josh's josh so craig's child josh we have a picture together when Josh is like a baby and he's not, I'm not even holding him. Like I'm just standing next to him and he is like red face, like bawling his yeah. eyes out yeah. just Good to know. in my presence. <laughs> I, I'm just never around babies. Just but a baby would, whisperer. Yeah. 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 The opposite of that. The yeah. opposite. <laughs> I would really like to meet your son though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All of that aside, it would be awesome. Yeah. He's super nice. Yeah. It wasn't Holly's fault, but I like to give her a hard time about it. Yeah. I guess my, I guess my lesson of fatherhood happened today. Very sad. I don't know why I'm saying this, but it probably can't cut it out. It's too late. So we'll go ahead with it. <laughs> I was leaving. So this morning, Ben gets up at like 5am. So now I'm a morning person, which I, I don't mind. Um, it just took a little bit to get used to. Um, and so we were sitting out on our balcony and our door, if you don't like lock it, it just opens up. So they're sitting out on the couch um, and we like turned it into more of a bed. So Ben can just lie down on it and they're just enjoying their morning. And I'm like, okay, I got to go to work. So I shut the door and I lock it without thinking and cursed is out on the balcony and she doesn't have a phone. She doesn't have keys. She doesn't have anything. And she's sitting out there and she has to yell to our neighbors, like to be like, Hey, can you like go to the front door and like buzz my dad, my uh, husband's number to call me. And I'm like, and so this random dude calls me and he's like, Hey, your wife's locked out on the balcony. I'm like, no, so I was super late to work. Just very careful lesson, locking doors and unlocking doors. Yeah. Who's on the balcony. Yeah. That is so funny. That was the worst. Oh, the worst dad. I love that. Oh man. I just need to share too. This is like kind of slightly off topic, but also on topic, just you like talking about you and Kirsten. And then I just started like, reflecting on how awesome your guys's wedding was and I need everybody to know like <laughs> that I don't know why I do this with my hands but like honestly when people ask me some of the best weddings I've been to yours is one of them because they got married at like a camp in the middle of absolute nowhere like you had to drive on like a 20 minute like gravel road just to get there nice. like it was in Peachland too to start yeah. but it was like a camp and like everybody just or most people kind of just like stayed there overnight people were like going canoeing 
people like halfway through the wedding just got changed into like their casual attire. It was, <laughs> so it was so just, sick. Yeah, we just rented yeah. the whole camp for the whole weekend. Wow. And there was yeah. no service. So everyone had to be friends. That is true. <laughs> yeah. So by the wedding, like the first, like the night before the wedding, everyone just sat, there was fires all throughout the woods, like yeah. huge campfires that everyone was sitting at. So it's not like people weren't uncomfortable sitting next to people that they didn't know. Yeah. They had just like survived the first night together. So it was like, they knew. Did, did you guys meet at camp? Uh, no, we met, uh, our, our love story is way too long to do it in this podcast, but I, we kind of met in Hawaii. We became oh, really cool. good friends, but we also kind of met in BC, but she was in high school. She's five years younger than me, Okay, but I wasn't her friend then. That's when I, usually tell people we met in Hawaii. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. I love it. Good times. Yeah. Awesome. Well, since you brought up Hawaii, why don't you tell us about your past and present ministry experience? Uh, yeah. I was thinking about this today, actually. So I've been in ministry for about 10 years now, which is wow. crazy because yeah. I feel like I should be like a much more professional pastor, like maybe Craig, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> I think so. the same thing all the time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've been in a low youth. bar. That's a low bar. If I understand it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I've been in youth and young adult ministry for, like I said, about 10 years. Um, and a lot of that was, uh, for a number of years, three, four years in Hawaii, um, leading with youth with a mission. So leading mission trips or just, um, being on the leadership team in Hawaii, developing, um, leaders and young adults. And that was, like I peaked there. That was like the best moments of my life. <laughs> downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much downhill from there. Then I, then I became a pastor out here in Chilliwack um, at Main Street. And then I was here for a year and a bit and then moved to Ontario. And I was a pastor in Ontario for a number of years. And then I moved back to the same church to do the, a different position in, within the same church. So I was a junior high pastor at Main Street Church. And now I'm the high school pastor. Okay. So compare those uh, middle school and high school experiences. Um, what what are the things that you like about each of them? <laughs> yes, I like it. Just things I like because <laughs> there's so or the many challenges. Yeah, well, <laughs> junior high is such a fun age because what I loved about it because youth ministry is so much of making a game up like on the spot. <laughs> And you just have to be like really enthusiastic with the game yeah. and they will go nuts. Yeah. Like they will have the greatest time. So like you could just, whatever supplies you have around you, like a stapler and an eraser, that's all I have beside me. And I could make an incredible game, probably dangerous, but they would love it. <laughs> I would unload the stapler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and high school, I love my, my favorite age is high school. Uh, because that's really the age where they start to have and form their own thoughts. Um, and that's when it comes to ministry, that is when you're teaching and preaching and you start to see kind of like all the gears moving in their head and mm -hmm. they're developing their own thoughts of like taking and leaving things of like, Oh, that sounds amazing. That's that this is true. wrestling with the, what culture is telling them and what uh, the gospel is telling them. So mm -hmm. that to me fires me up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Honestly, like I feel like I'm so lucky to be in the job that I have because if I had to pick between doing middle school and high school youth, I would struggle because they're no. both 
so fun for so many different reasons. It's right. yeah, exactly when you're in high school, you really get to see that formation starting and then they start becoming their like becoming leaders themselves. And it's just such a cool thing. But yeah, junior high, they're just so funny and like fun yeah. to be around. And you see so much change, especially when they get to like eighth grade. Oh, there's just it's so fun to see your position too as your youth pastor. Um I'm assuming everyone knows you are the middle school and high school pastor. This is Ross Road. (laughs) This is Ross Road's podcast. Um, (laughs) But to see the seeds that you plant and the longevity that you have had at that church, it's a beautiful thing to watch that planted. And then now seeing them in high school of like, this is where they are. Like in junior high, sometimes that would be a challenge. Sometimes it doesn't seem like they're taking it all in. Sometimes you leave the night hoping, okay, Lord, I pray that you made an impact and then in high school, you see those seeds that were planted start to bloom. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Yeah, it's been a long time now. Like all throughout my years at like Bible college, I was still interning at Ross Road. Like it, yeah, it's been a, it's been a minute. So it's crazy that like even there's kids that like, for example, like, you know, Caleb Ronsborough, our trusty intern and our podcast editor, when I, I think first started interning, maybe he was in like seventh grade and now he's the intern himself. So it's crazy to like see that progression. It's Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just such a cool thing. One of the best parts of the job. Yeah. Um, Brock, this question's coming out of left field a little bit, but um, you've been with youth ministry for for 10 years, basically in a lot of different spots. Um, Have you noticed any uh, trends or shifts in terms of like youth culture or the issues that youth are facing now uh, compared to when you started, or is there kind of things that are emerging now that are more pressing in your ministry? Yes. This is like a philosophy that I'm developing actually. Cool. Well, when it comes to social media, now we know like students grow up. Like if you look at junior highs, they're dressed like they know what they're doing. When I was in junior high, it was an absolute mess. I hide every picture of me that age. (laughs) Um, But you see that like play out all throughout high school. Like they're, they've grown up a lot faster, but Mm. they haven't matured Mm. as Mm. fast. And when it comes to social media and online stuff, um, this is where I'm starting to see uh, because there is such addiction to social medias, all the different types of their cell phones. I'm seeing within because there's common like uh, trends when it comes to addiction. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing that played out like so I also have worked on the downtown east side. Mm-hmm. And so what's blending my job is seeing the way an addict reacts to not having drugs or not like or just having the addiction themselves. I'm seeing common traits within our youth of their cell phones and not having their cell phones. And, and we do a camp every summer. We haven't because of COVID, but it's up in Chilliwack Lake where there's no service. And you see like withdrawals of students when they don't have service. Um, and then they become human right away. And it's like that to me is like why that camp is so beautiful. But I also see the trend going because a lot of our students don't have cell phone plans. They just have Wi-Fi. So then getting students out of their house is so much harder because they're leaving that Wi-Fi, they're leaving that connection. And so I'm seeing a lot of like trends that make me nervous when it comes to social media and uh, how much of that we just allow ourselves because we're all addicted in some sort of way to it. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm like, the trend is that's, that's what I'm starting to see throughout 
youth ministry like yeah that's so good that that identity formation that happens in that way um can go in all kinds of different directions that aren't aren't um gospel centered right Mm -hmm. and uh yeah that's a big job of of shepherding our young people through that and shepherding ourselves so like you said setting the example right and it's challenged me to um when i preach every time i get up into the pulpit that sounds weird for a youth pastor when i get behind my very (laughs) hip stand to speak um, (laughs) really nice um i i actually just have to preach such a clear gospel because i have such a short amount of time and students look at their screen and what i say is a drop in the ocean Mm. to hours and hours and hours of what culture is saying to them on their phones so it's challenged me to really like ask the holy spirit use the this time use this 15 20 half an hour whatever i have mm-hmm. and like to convict to encourage to bring them closer to who you are hmm. yeah. honestly it's wild like i even think about myself in the last like couple of weeks even i've just started to notice in myself too i'm like i can't go like 10 minutes without like looking at my phone like and i can't even like i'll watch tv And then at the same time, you know, I'm, I look at a medium screen all day so that at the end of the day, I can look at a big screen and look at my small screen at the same time. Like, it's just so wild. And I'm like, okay, I need to like, even if I'm watching TV, like, can I even just sit and watch something without feeling the need to like scroll through social media at the same time? Right. Like when I work now, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to put my phone like on the other side of the room so that I can actually like be more productive and get stuff done. And it's like, yeah, we want to see more from our kids, but it's like, oh yeah, we have to start by setting that example ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. So I guess, yeah, speaking of like technology and this whole kind of last year, um, I, yeah, would love to hear you kind of chat about how your ministry model shifted during COVID. Uh, Cause I know a little bit about this. Um, we, I feel like it was actually cool. Cause even though like we haven't physically seen each other. I feel like we definitely talked a lot more this year than we did in the last couple of years, which is kind of funny. Um, I feel like I would have like a youth ministry question and I would just text you. And then you're the kind of person who just calls (laughs) (laughs) sometimes I'm like, why do you do this? But at the same time, (laughs) phones aren't meant for actually telephoning people. I know. know, My youth hate it. My youth absolutely hate it. (laughs) Oh, I bet. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I loved a lot of the things that you were doing in your ministry this year. So I would love for you to just share with our listeners kind of how you adapted your ministry during COVID. Yeah. Um, COVID was actually a really fun season for me. That sounds super weird, but um, there was just this like um, urgency in the beginning, not for the whole time, but in the beginning there was like, okay, now we have to do things differently. And I've often thought like um, there is a world out there that speaks a different language than the church does right now. And we have to begin to move that direction as uncomfortable it is, as it is. We have to move that direction um, to relate to people and to minister because there's a generation that doesn't even understand the language that we speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was, that was fun for me for uh, COVID to push us in that direction. And, and when it comes to social media, right away, I did not want to encourage youth um, to spend time on social medias. Um, Instagram, Facebook, I, other pastors did, and they did a great job, but I 
thought they spend so much time on Instagram, so much time on Facebook. And there's, there's dangers in that. There's a lot of pornography. There's a lot of consumer comparison, all these different things when it comes. And I just thought, I don't want to encourage my youth in that direction. Um, um, granted there's ways of doing it very well and we should be using those platforms. Um, but for me, I thought, okay, I want to do something different. So we went, um, and did a podcast. I actually joined with Zach, um, and we wanted to start a conversation. We wanted to be more conversational instead of me just preaching to them. I wanted it to be, um, more conversational where it could feel like they're a part of the conversation, just like what you guys are doing here. Um, your listeners feel like they're a part of the conversation and it's, it draws people in, in that way. Um, so we just, we went that direction and we had really like, um, we, we would connect with our youth and just hear what they're talking about, what they're thinking, what their fears are. And that would be the week's topic. We would sit down, we'd even have youth come in and interview them. And, um, that was a really cool thing for a season and for the first lockdown, that's what we did. And we chat, we had challenges every week where it was like fasting. So we'd have like zoom calls where all of us would fast at our house for the day. And then we'd have like, we'd walk through spiritual disciplines cool. um, through our podcast. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. And then it looked like we opened up again. So then we started meeting for the summer and that was awesome. And then, then in the fall, we started doing, um, video podcasts we wanted to add another sense in there we thought that might be more like visual if they're on their phones they like the podcast was in their ears they could walk around they couldn't see anything so we thought maybe adding um visual to that so we actually added another pastor in our area into that conversation as well um which was awesome and i did all so along well done too like i remember seeing videos of them and like Cause you can just tell like this guy, Zach, that we've referred to is also a pastor in Chilliwack at Broadway. He's a friend of both of ours and he does like professional photography, videography. And so all of this stuff that you guys were producing, like it was quality content. Yeah, so yeah, did, you guys did. did a fantastic job. Yeah. So, um, and then we did, I did my own personal teaching videos on the side that I kind of sent out to parents and things like that. If kids uh, wanted their own, I went along with our church series too. Like, so I, did uh, for some of our church kids who just wanted like teachings youthier than what our pastor was doing uh, more aimed to their age group. I went along that way too, um, which was good. And then there came a point where it was like open enough, but still not really open that we decided that we would meet in a barn um, and we all like spaced out. It was outside. Um, and the Lord blessed us because every night there was no rain. Mm. Wow. And it was just like, it was such a cool time. And we just thought we're going to, we're not going to write a sermon. We're not going to write small groups. We're just going to walk through the book of Acts and we're just going to, and I'm, for me personally, I, I was 25 when I first learned how to do a Bible study, Bible study. Mm. It's a big word. And I was like, well, how do people do a Bible study? Like it just sounded so intimidating. And I thought my youth need to know that it's really not that hard to do a mm. Bible study. And so that's what we did. I said, this is how we will run a Bible study and you and your friends, you can do Bible studies and, and just so it's not as intimidating. I don't want you to be 25 when you first learn how to do a Bible study. Yeah. And so we just worked through the book of Acts and it was really, really cool to be with our students asking questions. I love the book of Acts. I could, 
if I had to pick one book in the Bible, I hope I never have to, <laughs> but that book is, it's good. Mm. Wow. That's so uh, great. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, what about as we've moved towards reintegrating in person uh, at, as, a, as a church as a whole? I mean, you're doing in person to an extent with the youth group. Um, you know, probably more restrictions have come off of that now. But uh, what's that look like for your church? Um, well, like for the church in total or youth ministry? Well, both. Um, church in whole, uh, I was surprised with the amount of people that came back right away. Hmm. Um, so we we actually are having a lot of people come back. I, I do know that more people will come back, but there is that it's, it's interesting. If you, if you're told for almost two years not to meet, yeah, there is some nerves when it's like you come into a big room. Yeah. Um, and, and you could see it on some people's faces. Like they didn't expect the room to be so full yeah. and it was like nerve wracking. Like mm-hmm. this is even for me, I walked in, I was like, this is the most people I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Totally. Yeah. Um, so I answer the question. Did I did I miss something there? No, that's great. You did answer okay. the question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would love to know. Um, I know we had some conversations about this too. Uh, kind of the struggles that we were going through as youth pastors during uh, this last year and a half. But I would love to know, like, what this year revealed to you about why you love your job and like what kept you going through it. This year was very challenging when it comes to being a pastor, like we've talked about. There was many times where I would question, and I think for a lot of us, not just pastors, but it was like, am I in the right job? Yeah. Am I like, you start to see the things that you can't do anymore that gave you life. Um, and you were left with the parts of your job that don't necessarily give you life. Mm-hmm. So it really like made you question, do I love it? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it really strengthened the the reality of christianity because for a lot of it uh, because we are a pretty large church it's very easy to get caught up in programs caught up in um, just administration and making sure everything looks good and we have things for every age group and everything's happening and i just through that pause it was like a moment of like yeah, but am, am I still at the, in the center of this speaking? Like, is God still at the center of what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, being stripped away from all the programs, all these different things, I realized how, how impactful the gospel can be and how important relationships are with that. Because when the building shut down, all you were left with was those relationships that you did have. And that's how the church was connected. Um, and I thought that was amazing. I thought that was so beautiful to see, like, this thing is real. Like, Christianity is real. If the church doors close, like, God's still on the throne, and he's still moving. And I see that as hard as it's been for pastors, and and that's my prayer. Is like, man, there has been so many pastors carrying the weight of a church, and burnout is huge. But it is so cool to see like the Holy Spirit still speaking to the leaders of the church and directing and moving and still speaking life to people. Man, that that fired me up. Mm. Yeah, it's so good. And I like I remember we had that exact conversation like 
on the phone this year where we were both like, yeah, like it's so hard to not get to like see our kids. And I loved kind of the direction that you started to go into when um, you were even just like, oh, I'm going to be at the Chilliwack like pump track that just opened up. It's like a bike like thing that people can kind of, it's like almost like a skate park, but for bikes. And that opened up and you were just like, I'm going to be here on this day. If people want to like come and hang out. And I was like, oh, I need to adapt that to myself. So then I was like, yeah, I'm going to be at Mill Lake today. If people want to come hang out. And it, yeah, I was so like just inspired by that mindset. Right. I found that was such a win. Um, speaking back to the trends of youth ministry, a huge fear in high school and it's, it's creeping into junior high. And that breaks my heart is the fear of rejection, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why students hate when I call them or they have to call (laughs) me. It's like, if I don't pick up, there's that like, Oh no, I'm Mm -hmm. rejected. There's this like Mm -hmm. sting. So for me to take the first step and say, Hey, come, don't come. Doesn't matter. I'm going to be here. Like you don't have to feel rejected because I'm going to be here no matter what. And I've done that within coffee shops too. I said, Hey, like if you need to talk to someone, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be working in this coffee shop. Meet me. Don't meet me. But I won't let, like, I won't let you down. I'm going to be there. Um, And the pump track was just such a cool spot because that was like, there was hundreds of youth that meet there. It was like one of those weird things that the church couldn't gather together, but we could gather at a pump track. So I just grabbed my skateboard and I was like, this is great. Like I, a majority of my youth group is here. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. I so feel like church in real life. Yeah. Like that's so cool. And I wish that Abbotsford had stuff like that. Or even I wish that like Ross road was <laughs> like the location of it can sometimes be difficult. Cause I'm like, Oh, I've got kids from Langley. I've got oh. kids from Aldergrove, Abbotsford, Chilliwack, like it's all over. So it's hard to like find that kind of like middle ground where we can be like, Oh, like, you know, we're just going to be here and hang out. But I love that. Mm-hmm. so so much yeah. yeah so good what uh brock what did you learn about leadership in the last year and uh, i don't know how much you dealt with with people um people's opinions on a variety of things i'm i, I think <laughs> i feel even shocked or surprised at how many things people feel strongly about yeah. uh and obviously there's been been the obvious ones about covid so what have you learned about leading through that and responding to those kinds of things well i've been so blessed because no one at our church has opinions <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah no one no one ever complains about anything it's awesome <laughs> Um, yeah, that has been, that's such a, my main thing is leadership is very difficult. Like it's always been, there's so many memes that I see, which are like jokes online for whoever's listening to this, um, whatever age groups listening to this. Um, and they're like talking about like, oh, I feel called to this, like kids ministry. And then it's like, oh, they find out that kids ministry is too hard. So they're like, yeah, God doesn't, that hasn't called me there. So I'm going somewhere else. All right. Yeah. And I, I just feel like we like aspire to be these people on stages preaching the word or, you know, singing or doing all these cool things, but we don't feel the weight of leadership mm-hmm. until we're in it. And which is like unfair for the most part. <laughs> I wish someone warned me how much leadership is tough. Um, yeah, that's been a, that's still an ongoing navigation of it's very difficult for the church. Um, and we run like a really thin line of becoming very political or, you know what I mean? Or very mm-hmm. like, what is vaccination anti-vax? What are, where's our stance? And I, mm-hmm. I, it just, it becomes so complicated. And I'm like, can we just focus on Jesus? Can we mm-hmm. find common unity and common ground in Jesus? Mm-hmm. And then, then worry about that stuff when we leave the church, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. yeah, it's 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 tough. Um, the, the the challenge is to try and point people to Jesus in our common unity, uh, and yet, uh, of course, it's so difficult when when some of these other things are made central, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and trying to continually bring us back to Jesus. Um, and then you know, these are people who who genuinely love Jesus but disagree with with yeah. you know with me or with the church or with whatever, and so. Um, yeah, no, it's a challenge, but, uh, it, it is, uh, it, it's an opportunity as well as a challenge, right? With every challenge is an opportunity. And so trying to find what that I is. found. Yeah. What I found in within COVID because COVID was such a, a big deal unity. Like when you find commonality and when you unify that becomes so big when it's like, and, and that's what I loved in COVID. We like different churches, different denominations, different things that we disagree with a lot of things but we knew that Jesus had to be preached. Yeah. And so that became the central focus. Yeah. And it was so cool to see people drop all the other stuff and said, Oh no, Jesus has to be preached no yeah. matter what. Yeah. So then we all like came together and that was such a cool, if we could learn the urgency of the gospel, Yeah. that there's coming a day that we will stand before the creator of the universe. Yeah. And that should be more important than are you vaxxed or not? Yes. Are you, you yeah. know, is church, should church be open or not? Yeah. It's, are people hearing the gospel? Is it changing yeah. their life? And how do we partner together as God's people and make that happen? Yeah. Yeah. We tried to say over and over again that the church of Jesus Christ is never closed, even though yeah. we're not gathering in a building. Right. And so we've got a mission to get about. So, you know, let's, let's keep our eyes on that. And then the other things become periphery. Yeah. 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 So I want to know as well, if there's anything that you'll miss about the way ministry was done in the last year and like anything that you'll continue to do. Like I know for, for us, it was like, I'm not going to miss zoom, but there was moments that I was like, Oh, like I would have never gotten to connect with that kid if we were in person and like there was, they could hang out for hours afterwards and that normally wouldn't happen. So I'm like, Oh, I will kind of miss that. So yeah, I'd love to know if there's anything you'll miss about this time. Um, I will definitely miss the unity amongst youth pastors. Like even for you, yeah. Ali, like the more that we've chatted, yeah. yeah. Um, it just it really leveled the playing field. Everyone was like reaching out to everyone, partnering with people, just looking for prayer and help and all that stuff. And I like, I hope that we because we've opened that door of like, hey, we're all on the same team. I hope that the unity stays. I, I'm I'm believing that it will. Um, I just don't know how often we'll be able to keep up with each other because of the busyness of ministry at, at times. Mm. Um, but that's something I missed having like a lot more time to just be with other youth pastors and encourage them and be encouraged by them. And and I don't know how much of COVID, I, like Zoom, I will probably know. I actually had to re-download it to do this. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I I love I don't know how much of that I will bring back into it. I'd hope never to do online ministry again, but there has to be some element of it. Um, but just being aware of the dangers of social media and yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, what what role do you think online church is going to play moving forward? And I mean more than just ministry to youth, but at um, like online church services. I imagine you guys probably were doing that. Um, like, like most churches, is there a place for that going forward? 
I definitely think there's a place for connection, like initial connection. I think it's awesome if we could have a way of people being able to get information and connection before stepping in the church, because there is such a, um, like a, people aren't very comfortable walking into a, a, group, a room full of people. I think that online ministry has to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, people not only just checking out your website, what you believe, like who's on pastoral staff, but actually being able to connect with someone from the pastoral staff and say, what are the next steps? How do I get involved? How do I, what's like, what do you, what does baptism mean? All these different things of being able to dis- be discipled before they enter the church. Um, because that's, I think that needs to be even with on like online and not online. I think the church definitely has to be, maybe it's just the evangelist in me, but it has to be way more like outward. Like how do I reach? How do I get to other people? Yeah. And online is a very easy way. Cause you can meet people all over the place. Um, and gas is way too expensive to drive, Yeah, but you can like, that would be mine. That, that would definitely take more time wrestling through, but it would definitely be like, how can someone, more than just coming on my website, actually be within a conversation with a pastor or a conversation with a, a group of people before entering the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. yeah. I feel like we're totally having those kind of same conversations right now. Like what is the role of online church moving forward? And what, like, what is the main purpose? Like what's the audience that we're trying to reach with online church? And there are huge discussions to be had for sure. And we've had some lengthy ones for sure. But um it's yeah, exciting I mean, to have that yeah. conversation. Like it's mm-hmm. it's important to have those conversations because yeah. Well, in COVID, you know, it 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 pushed us uh, where we're at into that, right? Like we we were. I remember when COVID started, we had an elder meeting on Tuesday, and we were like, "Should we talk about COVID?" And we're like, "Ah, there's not really much to talk about. We'll come <laughs> back to it next month." Right. And then on Thursday we're shut down. You can't meet on Sunday. And on Friday, we're recording a service and we never recorded a service before. And on Friday, we had one ready for Sunday and then we grew from there. Right. And so that's going to be one of the benefits that we're going to carry with us is that's become a focus that we've embraced. Right. Totally. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. I honestly, the difference between our first service and where we're at now is pretty amazing. Like <laughs> it was still impressive that we pulled something together for that first Sunday, but the growth is, is pretty awesome. <laughs> like finger painting that first one. Oh, totally. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was nuts. Awesome. So our last question uh, for you before we play our game is what is your prayer for the church at large in this moment that we're in? You kind of alluded to this a little bit already, but yeah, what's your hope and prayer for the church right now? Uh, my hope and prayer, it sounds selfish, is pastors, specifically lead pastors, um, but then any role of pastor. I think the the burden that they carried, um, church cultures, all these different things, there were so many opinions within churches, and, and that is such a burden that they had to carry. Um, and so I've seen lots of my friends resign, step down. And just like mass burnout when it comes to uh, the leaders of the church. And for me, that, that hurts. That is heartbreaking um, because this is Christ's bride and we should be, you know, supporting our leaders and, and not that the church wasn't COVID was just very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so that to me would be my prayer is for pastors um, just for renewed sense of calling, renewed sense of energy and, 
Um, mm. Just that passion that they once had just for an overwhelming sense of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And even like, it was interesting, you were kind of talking about like unity before. And it's even like, I feel like at the beginning of COVID, like there was such a sense of like unity with like, yeah, pastors around and just like even the church in general and people across the world in general, because it was this sense of we're all going through something together and it was really amazing. But then as it was like kind of this, like in the first couple of months, it was like, oh, we're going to get through this and everybody's got each other's backs. And then in the like last few I don't know, months up to a year, it's kind of been like, oh, well, everybody's mad at each other and this just kind of sucks. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like that, yeah, that word unity is really just like on my heart a lot too. And I'm like, yeah, I would love this unity between like pastors to continue to move forward and people in general, the church as we come back together. It's, yeah, yeah. it's so important. Mm-hmm. I was part of a meeting in, uh, I don't know, maybe February, um, maybe, maybe yeah, somewhere around there. And there was a, a guy from the Alliance denomination, um, maybe they're like conference minister type person or not, but he was saying that prescription rates for antidepressants among pastors have almost doubled since the last wow. year in May. And so I think that just goes what you're talking about, Brock. It's, it's yeah. been a rough go for a lot of people. And it's know. like, it's almost like, it's so sad too. Cause I'm like, I hear that. And I'm like, I'm not surprised at all. Mm-hmm. That's, that's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally am adding another question before we <laughs> go to our game. Um, but uh, so I just heard about this conference that you, Brock, and our friend Zach is going to. And I just think it's like the coolest thing. And I would just, I think our listeners would love to hear about it. Uh, yeah. It's uh, John Mark Homer is one of my hero pastors, and he's putting on a the art of teaching conference in Maui, Hawaii. Oh, I want to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, my friend Zach texted me. He's like, Hey man, like, do you want to go to this conference? And I, I saw it, but I thought there's no way, like, there's no way that that would be a thing. So I was like, yeah, sure. Haha. <laughs> you know, like not really being serious. And he's like, no, serious. Like I'm about to go, like, you should come with me. And so I asked our pastoral staff and they said, yeah, we're going to send you and your family to this art of better teaching. And, um, it is incredible. So I'm like beside myself, like stoked about hearing from one of my pastors because only 40 pastors worldwide were able to come to this event. Wow. So I just clicked like, yes, to buying the ticket. I was expecting that (laughs) to be like full right away and we got in. So, wow. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. For those of you, maybe if you don't recognize that name, he wrote the ruthless elimination of hurry, which we read as a staff. And that was just, yeah. One of the best books that I've read in the last few years. It mm-hmm. was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And actually, Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say actually one of the only books that I've read in the last few <laughs> I years. should have interrupted you. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I'm, oh, so I'm a reader. <laughs> John Mark Comer has, uh, for anyone's listening, he has such a beautiful way of taking very deep theological um, truths and making them understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, he like uh, he just takes like uh, yeah, just beautiful. Let's cut yeah. that piece up. <laughs> no, it's good. Good. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, I think it is time to play our game. So, 
um, for those of our listeners who maybe you haven't heard us play this game before, we've played it quite a bit now. It's called Do You Know Me? So we are going to ask uh, Brock a question. Um, five and questions. It, well, yeah, five questions. And it's about Brock. So really the way it's going to go is Craig and I are going to answer these questions first. And then we'll, you know, see which one of us knows Craig better. Now, to give Craig an upper hand, since I've obviously known Brock longer, um, Craig wrote the questions. So we'll give our answers. And then after, Brock will give his answers. And then we'll see uh, who was closer. And, uh, yeah, Craig and I, I think, I don't know if we're tied on, like, who is winning in these. Oh, no, Holly, you beat me every time at this game. (laughs) (laughs) That was far too modest. I mean, I was just trying to stay You were setting up a compliment there is what you were doing. (laughs) I would never, ever do that. (laughs) Uh, I think, I think I've probably lost most of these, so... But so, and now, and you've got that, you've got the edge, but I tried to write these in a way that you'd be guessing just as much as I would. So, okay, here's number one, which of these classic youth games has Brock led the most, the most often in his career. Okay. And the options are horse night, Cavalier, dodgeball, capture the flag or gross food games. Ooh. Craig, you go first. Well, I'm going to say dodgeball because that seems like the obvious one to me. That is a classic. Um, I feel like I'm going to go with either, like it's got to be capture the flag or gross food games just because, um, I don't know. A gross like, human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's pretty much what I was going to say. Or you enjoy but, inflicting pain on your students. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That just, that, I don't know, it fits your personality. I just, you know, even before you're talking about middle school ministry. Like, you're just disgusting, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, honestly, why would we even have you on the podcast? <laughs> um, oh, goodness. Okay, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm just going to go with the gross food games. So what is It's definitely doing? dodgeball. Yes. It was always like a time filler. Yeah. Classic time filler. And the kids, it's not even that I wanted to. Like, I hated dodgeball because it was like, we do it every week. And I'm like, guys, yeah, dodgeball, let's do it. And I'm like, yeah, they never get sick of it. Hey. Oh, we started doing this game home free. And it was just, it didn't, it's one of those games that doesn't make any sense. Like, there was, like, we had to run from one end of the hallway to the other and you have to get to the other end without getting hit with a pool noodle. Oh, yeah. You never can make it but they loved it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's up there with dodgeball and Humphrey. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds so fun. We used to do a retro dodgeball tournament once a year. So people would dress up in retro gear and come out and play. It was, we'd set up a bracket. Oh, it was great. That's so fun. Yeah. Okay. Number two, am I asking all of these Holly? No, you asked the next one. All right. So would Brock prefer to live in the Sahara desert or Antarctica? So. Craig, you go first. No, you go first. You go first. I'm like, my initial reaction is the Sahara Desert. But it's funny because originally I was like, oh, well, you know, it's like warm and like rock is into like surfing and stuff like that. But in the Sahara Desert, you're not going to probably have that much luck with surfing. Sand surfing. Uh, yeah. So that's true. Yeah. Maybe in the sand dunes. But uh, yeah, I, don't, I just feel like you would not uh, survive in Antarctica. So I would say the desert. And I'm going to, I'm going to say Antarctica because in this miserable hot summer that, well, miserable hot, the really hot weather we've had lately, um, I realized I don't like the heat as much as I thought that I did. And living in desert heat all the time would be awful. 
especially because you could warm up in the cold theoretically. So I'm saying Antarctica. Definitely desert. I okay. being cold with a passion. Yeah. And I, I don't even find the weather, like the heat wave. I didn't even, I could crank it up. Like, I just, <laughs> oh my goodness. I love, my dream is to live uh, in Bali. Yeah. And you like life out there. So put oh. me right next to the equator. I'm all right. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Oh, all right. So uh, one and one, one, one uh, for me, Let's one for you, that. Holly. Okay. Who yeah. is the faster diaper changer, Brock or his wife? Now, I don't know your wife at all, and I've only just met you. Um, so this is a total guess. But I'm going to say that you are the faster diaper changer of the two. But then I think you're going to be too humble to say that, yes, you are the fastest diaper <laughs> changer and you'll say your wife. So, uh, but still, I'm going to stick with you. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to go with Kirsten just to, you know, just to be different, but I do think the answer is probably Kirsten. <laughs> I, I am the faster diaper changer, oh! but I am the messiest diaper changer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. usually when I, and I do, I wake up at night and change the diapers before I uh, pass baby to be fed. And it's usually covered in whatever was in that diaper. <laughs> so it's just like, it's like diffusing a bomb when I'm in there because the first time I changed the diaper, he peed. Yeah. See, that's the thing. And it reached across the room. It yeah. Right into a clean load of laundry. No. So now when I'm, when I'm going, it's like, I have to be in and out. Yeah, that's I right. The essentials and the debris is not too much of a word for me. <laughs> See, because I think I think the wife is like so compassionate that they're like making sure it's perfectly clean. And is there a diaper rash happening? And right. like, and we're just like, nope, get her done. Get, get it done. done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. so funny. Oh man. All right. So which summer Olympic event would Brock excel at? The options are um artistic or rhythmic gymnastics, synchronized diving, or trampolining. And I, it's got to be one of the first two. It's either diving or rhythmic gymnastics. But I'm, I'm gonna flexible. go with yeah. I'm gonna go with diving just because you know you're like a you're like a fish. I don't know. You like being you know by in the ocean. Like yeah, that's my answer. So far and on this podcast, I'm a gross human. I'm a fish. <laughs> um and you said it couldn't be trampolining but i'm leaning to trampolining so i'm going with c i don't know if if i was younger maybe trampolining but i think i would like destroy every vertebrae in my body well yeah yeah i'm i'm a fish (laughs) (laughs) that would definitely be diving diving but i feel like i am that's true all right you know what we've gone cliff diving together before yeah so there you go. There's something you did out, you know, pretty decent. Yeah, that was all right. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty also much the same thing like, as Olympic diving. <laughs> <laughs> it was also probably in like 2013 or 14. So it's been uh, a few years since. It's the... been, I've been pretty rusty, but <laughs> now was it was it synchronized diving though? Like, did you dive together and do like the same kind of? I think Holly dived with me. Yeah. Did oh, I? Okay. Oh, that's precious. Yeah. <laughs> You're a fish. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's two to two last question. And this one's a good tiebreaker because it's whoever's closest. Um, what's the fastest Brock has ever driven in a car? Oh, <sighs> I like, I'm trying to remember like, 
if you were a reckless driver. I don't know. You had, you know, you had your angsty, uh, rebellious teen years. So maybe, <laughs> maybe somewhere in there. Uh, oh, I don't know. I'm going to go with like 170 or something. You're going to say 170. Okay. I was going to say 140, but because you said 170, I should just say 169. And then if it's less than that, <laughs> I win. And that's true. But I'll say 140 because that's more, that's more honest. Well, in Ontario, 140 is like the normal speed limit. <laughs> um, depending if I'm driving, if I was driving, the fastest I've gone is 180 because the governor wow. stopped me. So close. It stopped in the you. car, it was 215. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you win, Holly. All right, Craig. <laughs> I'm crushed. <laughs> you know what? I'm crushed that it was so close. Yeah. <laughs> for almost 10 years. <laughs> All right. But you know what? These questions were, you know, had nothing to do with you really personally. We have a beautiful friendship. <laughs> really, I won this, is how this should be yeah. interpreted. Yeah. That's how I'm, that's how I'm feeling. <laughs> But you know what? We do have a great friendship and I need everybody to know that the foundation of our friendship was when we were, I wonder if you can guess what I'm about to say. I feel like the foundation of our friendship was our pot presentation. And <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, pot is for principles of teaching. It was one of our classes in Bible school and you just got to pick a topic and do like, you can pick anything you just have to present it to the class. And so our topic was how to lose a guy in 10 days. Nice. And so in this presentation, we were supposed to be like the couple. And I was just an absolute jerk to Brock in this whole video. <laughs> and it was one of the funny like times I've laughed the most in my life was when we was, put it all together. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So I'd say that's the foundation of our friendship. I don't know what you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. It probably would be that moment. That was the solidifying. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh that's cool. Yeah, good stuff. Awesome. Well, Brock, thank you so much for coming on the Ross Road mm -hmm. Connect. Thanks, Podcast. Brock. That was so fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, that was wonderful. Um, yeah, so we'll definitely be praying for you in this next season. And I hope the conference is amazing mm -hmm. and just really restful and filling. Um, but yeah, so thanks so much to Brock. Thanks so much to my co-host, Craig. And thank you to all of our listeners. And we'll catch you on the next episode, everyone. Ross Road Connect podcast is produced by Ross Road Community Church in Abbotsford, BC. For more information about our church community and links to more podcasts and sermons, visit rossroadcc.ca.